Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking About Birds, the only Cardinal podcast that, like Adam Wainwright, just can't win. My name is Nate Heininger, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ben Samorka. Hey, Nate H. How you doing? Oh, I am all right, Hambone. And, you know, this week on the show, we're going to talk about Adam Wainwright. We're going to check in on some recent player updates. We're going to discuss the interview with Paul DeYoung and what it says about Ollie and Mo. And we're going to talk about the upcoming series against the Pirates and the series against Atlanta. If you have an idea for the opening bit, tweet us at Talk About Birds. Hambone, Yo. it's a, a a dull week on the field for Cardinal fans. But how are you doing? How are how are things going for you? I'm I'm fine. I'm doing yeah. well over here. Yeah. Um. I I've uh, my schedule. I, I've been watching a little bit more Cardinals baseball okay. uh, rather Counter than just following it on my phone. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. No, I know. It's easy to fall off because they've been bad and everything like that. But I don't I still get excited for the little individual matchups and the Mm -hmm. Gorman coming back and and watching Mason win and Walker. And I don't know. It was was a good win last night, too. It was a good win last night. I think there's not a lot to watch and get excited about on the pitching mound right now. But there's still a lot to watch on the player or, or the position player side. And I don't know, like there's enough young talent that is still developing on the big league roster that like my like nerdy baseball i'm almost i'm not more excited i'd much rather the cardinals be winning i'll be clear about that but i love watching young players develop especially young players who i think are going to be with the cardinals for a long time so i don't know i i i find joy in that and then i also am pretty quick with my remote and flipping around watching you know, maybe the Braves or the Dodgers or um, a team that is talented. You know, Uh, I think this whole (laughs) thing that's going on in the AL West has been some pretty good drama over the past couple of weeks with the Mariners and and the Rangers and, you know, the collapse of the Angels and all that. So I I find, you know, I'm always watching baseball, even if the Cardinals are having a once in 30 year lose a terrible season. um, Yeah. You know, I'm still there. Yeah, I'm the same. I mean, this was maybe the like least exciting version of the win and Walker call up duo than we were expecting, you know, but it it's still it's there and it, it's just something to be excited about and something to watch with with Wayno and Pujols and Yachty retiring and the young guys coming over and the, the you know, the quote unquote <laughs> changing of the guard happening. Yeah, I did not expect I expected a hiccup. Um, because Gorman Walker and Wynn and Burley and, um, whoever else, uh, Liberator and all these guys are so young, of course, they're not going to just come out and dominate, but I don't think I expected. I mean, I nobody expected this big of a, sure. of, of, of a speed bump or a shipwreck or, uh, uh, I don't know. More than a speed bump. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, catastrophe is closer to the word than speed bump. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, of course. I mean, we we've, we've been talking about it all season, right? Like no one saw this coming. But to your point, like baseball's still fun and we're still watching. I I 
I am a, a big fan of the J rod show and what oh, yeah. uh, the Mariners have been doing has been worth watching. And, uh, like you said, they're still fun in these Cardinal games. And, you know, the reality is, is that while we are expecting a pretty f- fundamentally uh, large off season as far as the pitching staff goes, like this, this offense that they're putting out for better or worse is essentially what we're going to see next year, right? Yeah. Like this, this is the lineup now. I believe uh, I I don't think that this is even conspiracy belief, but I do think that the Cardinals are prioritizing not winning right now. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So we're seeing some lineups and some play that I think is um, not what we'd be seeing if this team was, you know, if the, if their record was reversed. Right. right? I I think you could argue even that some of the veteran players uh, Arenado, Goldie, they would never say this, but I wouldn't even blame them for maybe not going a hundred percent all day, every day right now. Right. Like we need them healthy and, and good for next it, year. It, if you're, if you're Nolan Arenado or Paul Goldschmidt or Wilson Contreras or uh, maybe that's the end of the list. If you're a high dollar position player and you're mathematically out of it and you get hurt gravely in the last month and a half of this season, Obviously, mistakes yeah. happen. Accidents can happen. Anything could happen. But that it's pretty stupid. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. yes. Yeah. An accident, uh, an injury from an extreme exertion situation. Right. Um, yeah. Now, that said, like, I'm just saying this. I mean, if you look at Arenado, he's been, uh, you know, offensively, it's been up and down. But his defense is fully back at this point. Uh, so it's kind of you know, the first half of the season, he was really struggling. And and if you keep an eye on uh, DRS uh, rankings and things like that, he's starting to fly up. And I think you can see it on on the field, too. Yeah. So he's not, you know, I'm not saying I would not be accusing these guys of like tanking themselves or like, no, no, not caring to win. But but frankly, like, I don't blame them if if maybe they're not coming in at 100 percent all of the time. And then. Uh, you know, starting Motter over a 85% Gorman, like they would not do that in if if the Cardinals were in contention right now, but they aren't. And we want Gorman playing basically only at 100% right now. So let's sit him like the yeah. Motter is I don't think Motter would be on this team right now if they were still in contention. <laughs> no. But I, I mean, who knows? He's been on the team. Uh, he's been DFA three times this year. He has some sort of magnet to this team. But like Point being, like you see a lot of uh, frustration from the fan base for for things like that, and I get it because you know you're watching the game, you want to watch a good game, you want them to win, right? But um, I mean, honestly, if if the Cardinals were if their record was flipped, Jordan Walker might not be on the team. Mason Wynn might they might both be back in AAA because let's not shy away from that. They have not been or Jordan yeah. Walker. Mason Wynn hasn't been up enough to have any opinion, but Jordan Walker is getting valuable reps at the MLB right now uh, right. at the level right now, but he's not been a great player. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. um, this is a great year for him to marinate and, and get better and figure out the league and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, this, this team is constructed in a kind of a goofy way right now. I think they're being deployed in kind of a goofy way right now. Um, and I assume Ali Marmol and John Mozeliak are prioritizing health over everything. Uh, right. at least they should be, but Hey, do you see that throw from Walker, uh, right field throwing a guy out at third base? 
He has uh, a ridiculous arm. Yeah, it's incredible. You know, we see a lot about Ellie and and Win and their arms from the yeah. shortstop position, but I mean that throw from Walker was wild and great touch by Arenado. You know, he slides yeah. up the line a foot or two to get it a little bit closer to the runner, sweeps back on the tag. I mean, it was it was that, incredible. That's something that we don't talk about a lot, but I I think you nailed it. Is Arenado is a sneaky good like athletic tagger like he has Mm -hmm. a very uh, like a like a sixth sense type ability to get guys out around the bag it's he yeah he's yeah he's awesome his awareness and sense of space right yeah that like he in that millisecond recognizes that if he takes uh, you know two steps forward he'll be able to catch the ball just a little bit more in line you know it's like the you're going to see that you got these two trajectories coming at you. You've got the runner coming at you and you've got the ball coming at you and being able to like perfectly in that <laughs> moment, know, having, you know, having like the, the, the sense and the awareness. Like if I were to do that, I would undoubtedly be trucked by the base runner and hit in the chest by the ball <laughs> by at the, the same ball. time, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> spitting out teeth on the ground yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. So like it's that sort of stuff, you know, Walker wasn't really an outfielder. He's learning the position at the major league level. Yeah, I think you're totally right. I bet he's probably sent back down to triple a over the summer if, uh, with his current performance and if, if the Cardinals were competing, but you know, he's, he's also part of the reason why they're not, <laughs> right. you know, in competition, you know? So, and, and he's, he's hitting just well enough that I think it's like, it's not totally demoralizing. Right. Right. Really, like I, I believe that Jordan Walker is going to be an at least average outfielder at some point here relatively soon because he's such a freak athletically, because that arm can make up for a lot of mistakes and he's sneaky quick. Um, But he's been there. He he just hasn't done it long enough. Uh, Nolan Jones, you know, obviously I pay attention to the Rockies. Nolan Jones had a very similar thing kind of happen to him. Uh, where he was a corner infielder his whole baseball life, comes up with the Rockies, and the Rockies do what the Rockies do, and they play, make somebody play a position they've never played at the big league level. Of course. But he's had four, he's four or five years older than Jordan Walker. He's had more reps in general in, you know, with higher level baseball. Um, and I think that Jordan Walker, not to compare these two players, I don't know why I'm doing this specifically, but to compare these two players, no, uh, uh, Walker is much more athletic. It's It's going to come... We're going to be very happy about his outfield play. It's going to make his his F war and B war jump through the roof, um, yeah. but it's just not here yet. Yeah, I mean, I I think about that play. He won like an L play of the week or some some you know uh, honorific like that earlier in the season off of that play. He made the full extension yeah. dive. Um, it's in there. You know, we can see why he was. Like he was regarded as a pretty good defensive third baseman. So it's not like he's a guy who's been considered without a position, uh, which, you know, happens to big, big sluggers like him. Uh, that's a, that's a fun nickname. Should we just call him big slugger? Yeah, that's super yeah. good. I, uh, <laughs> I can't believe that it took you, um, to meander on, Come to on that big name. slugger. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like, I that. can tell in your voice that you, that you think it's great. It's really good. I'll keep uh, saying it. Yeah. And, and I mean, if you look at his if you look at Big Slugger's stats for the year, uh, the thing that Dumbass. sticks out to me is that he does have a 104 WRC plus. So he is still hitting at four percent higher than the league average. And he's, obviously, we all have 
much higher expectations, but that's pretty incredible for a 21 year old at the major. League exactly. Level. He's 21 years old. He's he playing just turned a, 21 this year, just you know? turned 21. He's playing a ballpark. That's hard to, to perform in offensively. He's learning a new position and it's his first time around, you know, the, the big, uh, the major leagues. So, uh, yeah, I, I think he's doing a great job. Um, uh, yeah, I have, I have no notes. It's, it's going to come. And I think that, y- you know, if we're trying to look for the grass is greener of the season, you know, it might be the Jordan Walker MLB marination. That is the, the real win of this season when we're looking down the line in two or three years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know I'm talking about. Oh yeah, that MLB marination, baby. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, Ooh, what? it's like a nice Italian uh, rub or something, you know? A nice Italian rub. It sounds <laughs> that sounds right. Yeah, bottle of Italian dressing uh-huh. poured over a flank steak. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. That's so it's a wet rub um, <laughs> from a bottle. All right. Yeah, sounds Ooh. good. I need it. Yeah, I'd take a bite off Big Slugger. <laughs> I think it's going to stick. Yeah. You know, we've been calling them things like Jay Walker, Air Jordan, you know, all these derivatives of other people's nicknames. Yeah. No one, you know, let's go back to kindergarten, big slugger. Big. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, it's This is good. This um, is good. Well, I got a problem of my own, Hambone. So, you know, I've been training for this half marathon that I'm supposed to do in one month. I don't month. pay attention to your life, Nate. I don't know what you've been doing. It's, well, I assume the listeners need this sort of content. Um, and I got something called runner's knee. And my knee's <laughs> old bitch. My, I know. I'm feeling my age. Ben. I, I, you know, obviously, I'm in my prime. So this is something that will merely be a an actual roadblock, hopefully not a, or a, or a speed bump, not sure. a catastrophe. Sure. But, um, your boy's been, uh, half limping around the house the last few <laughs> days. So, <laughs> uh, see, that's the great thing about podcasting is that you can, you can fight oh, through man. those injuries. I'm in my prime here, sitting down, yeah. talking on into a microphone. So I'll, I'll be sure to keep you and everyone updated on how this progresses. No, I'm, I'm very emotionally invested into the well-being mm-hmm. of your foot or uh, whatever. My knee. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Call it runner's knee, I guess, to make people feel better about themselves. Yeah, that sounds like you just got an <laughs> old cranky knee. You know how I got it from running because I was doing something physical. Not there something, you go. Yeah. 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 Or yeah, you yeah. were so unphysical before that your body is in absolute state of shock because mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. you now began to move. It could be that. It could. I, I don't think it's that, but um, it might be. And my no, body's no, shutting I, down. I'm pretty sure. I. Yeah, you look. Yeah. You're on death's door. It starts with the knee. <laughs> well, the problem is also all the skin falling off my face. So <laughs> yes. that might be a clue too. chunks. Yeah, it's a pretty horrible look right now. Um, but this isn't a video podcast, although it kind of is. We put it on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's talk about uh, let's talk about what we said we're going to talk about. Uh, all right. Wainwright. We've talked a lot about Wainwright. Yeah. And, you know, if you're just joining the show, our our general opinion has been throw him out there every five days. I'll let him pitch every single day if he wants to. Like, just let Wayno in how he wants to. If he wants out, let him out. Yeah. If he wants in, let him in. And uh, that said, it had been 
quite difficult to to watch for most of the season. However, finally, uh, I think for his own mental state and us as uh, fans, we've had a little bit like just a little bit of a glimmer of hope here from uh, of of a Wayno exiting the season with some degree of competence. Yeah, because uh, I think the nightmare scenario is the like last, you know, he just gives up eight runs per game until the end of the season and is pulled in the second inning of his last start or something like that. And so I know you've got a couple numbers here, but, uh, you know, if you've been watching the games, you can see like there is something a little bit finally better about Wayno over the last few starts. Yeah. And I mean, this kind of just goes back into the conversation. We're talking of the changing of the guard. It's just not going as smoothly as we wish it was it it's been clunky and and kind of sad um and seeing yeah. Wainwright mad is like seeing a like a parent mad or something it's it or, or not even i don't even know it's he's the fun uncle of the Cardinals, yeah. right and seeing the fun uncle um not buy fireworks and porno mags for his nieces and nephews or, or whatever the fun uncle does is is a bummer all um right. no, hold on Hold on. Yeah. Okay. So you and I are cousins. So we share a lot of family. Yeah. We don't have you, a fun. Uncle, fun I was gonna uncle. Say, what, where, who who'd you have buying uh, buying us buying you porno? Was it my dad? I don't no. think it was my dad. No. no, all our uncles. Your dad didn't buy me porno. No, they're all lame. That's <laughs> I, this is actually a criticism of the men in Damn. our family. That's a good point. Like, did any of the the, the patriarchs ever give you a firework? Uh, I mean, I like, yeah, but not in a like, see, you know, not like in like a cool sort of like, hey, hey, kid, here, here's some M80s, you know, yeah, go blow up a mailbox. Don't yeah. get into trouble. Um, do you ever blow up a mailbox? No, no, I was too afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I, we, uh, we would, we got really into those sparkler bombs for oh, quite a while. I had a, it, I had a phase. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, never blew up a mailbox. It's a federal crime, you know, um, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to jail for this. <laughs> uh, but I did blow up a road, uh, like, you know, those, um, the, the like tube, the fat orange, cones. Yeah. Orange tubes with yeah. like two or three silver stripes around them. Yeah. Yeah. Fat cones. Not a cone at all, but definitely fat. Um, I blew one of those up. It didn't like blow into pieces or anything, but it did blow up. It went yeah. up like five feet in the air. It was it was fun. Well, good for you. That sounds fun. Yeah, but dangerous. Thanks. I'd call the cops on you. Well, I I, I self reported. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> um. Anyways, Adam Wainwright. <laughs> What was what was the point I was even trying to make here? It's Adam Wainwright has been good. Yeah. Kind of. Okay, kind of. Adam Wainwright has, in my eyes, earned himself two wins. Two of his last three starts have been solid, um, but the offense has been completely dead. The offense has been dead for like a month at this yeah. point. Um, I know over the last two weeks that the offense's OPS is under 600, which is obviously a big pile of dog crap. Um, but in his first uh, good performance, which was last week against the Mets, the Cardinals scored two runs and lost to the Mets four to two. And against the Padres, which I thought was even more impressive because they know the Padres are underperforming this year, but they still have like one through seven hitters uh, that you'd be afraid of and some some kind of 
yeah. plug-in guys that can do some damage as well. And he only gave up one earned run, um, and the Cardinals ended up losing that game four to one. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I feel bad for for Wayno. I think that like we've put a lot of emphasis on the wins, and I think you and I, and I would imagine a good chunk of the people who are listening to us right now, are kind of. Wins don't really matter that much. So I do think like we're kind of making a lot of huff about nothing. Um, But the fact that he's put up quality starts and not gotten the win, you know, that's how baseball goes. That's why it's really hard to get to 300 wins. That's why we probably after Justin Verlander retires, if he gets to 300 wins, I would probably say we'll never see another 300 win baseball player, at least in our lifetimes, unless there's some dramatic change to how wins are scored or, or, or something. I, I don't know. And and really, yeah. I think it'll just continue to go, go the way of the, they're devalued and it's kind of a nice shiny number out there. Um, but yeah, it's just, I guess it's kind of too bad. Um, I do think I, I I'm feeling a lot better about Wayno's final month of being a Cardinal. I'm kind of getting curious of what's going to happen. I feel like there has been, less fanfare than I would have expected. Not that Wayno is an all-time great like Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina, but he is a he's a guy. He's like a made man in St. Louis, in the yeah. NL Central for sure. And I feel like he's well-liked throughout MLB. So I'm kind of surprised that he is not getting... It, it's he's kind of, I mean, he's rumbling and bumbling his way out of this season. And it's, I yeah. don't know, It's it's been kind uh, of a stinker. Yeah, hundred percent. So, side note, real quick, Justin Verlander's at two hundred and fifty-four wins. I don't think he's gonna get to three hundred. He's gonna need to pitch for like he needs almost fifty more wins, and he's yeah. what forty-one. I know he's been good, but I, man, I if I had to, I don't know if I'd put any money on this, but I think JV's gonna pitch till he's like forty-four. We said that about Wayno. Now I know there's different. This is a different tier. I know it that, is, but but still, so. We'll see, though, but and I JV still got like his velo is still like 96, 97. It's true. So it's like true. he hasn't even had his like massive decrease in stuff era happen yet. So that being said, I don't think it's likely. I think it's yeah. less likely to happen than it is to happen. But I do think that he's the only player even worth having that conversation about. Yeah, um, I agree. And I agree that. I don't well, I don't think he's gonna get there, and I don't think we'll ever see another three hundred win player. Um, you know, you never know. Like, of course, we would have said what Otani's doing, you would never see, and here we are, but uh more on Otani later. But uh, you know, we'll see. Um, but back to Wayno, I suspect that all of this, uh, your your um observation of zero fanfare, uh, I think two things. One, I do suspect it's gonna ramp up from the Cardinal side here going into the last month. Um, I know there's a number of giveaways at the ballpark. Like I, I'm expecting a lot more from the from the Cardinals here as it gets closer. Um, but two or and two, I think it's mostly because he's been so bad. Like it's really hard to like for all these other teams, you know, like do you do the ceremony honoring him and then, you know, half an hour later go and beat the shit out of him like. I don't know. I I think it just changes the tone on everything. And like, I do think we, and maybe we will, I, I, you know, a lot for, for a guy like him, who's not a, like, like who holes was getting like plaques and shit at every, right. You know, but he's a hall, he's an inner circle hall of famer. Yachty got a little bit from like 
you know, the Reds and the Pirates and like teams that he has like really lit up over the years. And I'm expecting a little bit of that. I, I think that I, I could be wrong, but, you know, there's a few more series against NL Central teams. Uh, I suspect that we'll see something from those teams. Maybe it's just a video board thing. Yeah. You know, maybe it's a like, oh, here's a thing from the dugout. You know, you've been crushing us for 20 years, you know, something like that. Like I, the season's not over. You don't normally see, you know, if he, he's not inner circle hall of fame, like most of the stuff does tend to happen towards the end of the year. Yeah. No, I know he's not inner circle hall of fame or anything like that, but he has been with the Cardinals for 20 years and yeah. he has been pretty good for those 20 years. And that just doesn't happen. Um, right. And I'm not saying they need to roll out some carpet for him or, or donate or uh, whatever it might be, but just a little surprise. We're not seeing much of it. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think you're probably right. Like if he was having, you know, a three, five ERA season and getting close to 200 innings pitched again, and there were conversations about Adam Wainwright coming back again next year, and he was having to address those questions, it might be different. And I don't know about you, but I've kind of noticed that no, no one has asked him about 2024. Um, at least in, in quite a while that's, that's come on my, uh, radar. Yeah. Well, you know, normally he, he, he has fully announced his retirement, you know, multiple times and yeah, he'd have to be absolutely dominating for it to be the case. I mean, you and I have kind of joked that like, what's going to happen is he's going to have like three really good starts in September. And then we're going to hear him say, you know, this didn't go the way I wanted. I think I've got a better year in me. And he's going to sign like a $3 million year contract with the Cardinals next year. And then the Cardinals get to say, see, we needed three pitchers. We got one of them. It's (laughs) Wainwright. And then we all have to go. Yay. Wainwright. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to like, we kind of talked about this at the end of last season on the show, like was giving Adam Wainwright, $17.5 million in his age 41 season, (laughs) even after the season he was coming off, the best idea for the Cardinals, who already had a Swiss cheese, you know, pitching core. And I think obviously now when we're sitting back almost six months, you know, into the uh, five and a months into the season, obviously we look pretty smart there. Uh, That being said, not, you know. Placing an almost $20 million bet on a 41 year old pitcher is, is not, not a lot of teams would have done that, I I guess is what I'll say. Even if they were a franchise stalwart, you know, type legacy act. uh, Yeah. Well, you know, he was worth almost three war last year and almost four war the year before at the end of last year, he obviously had struggled a lot, but you know, there was some hopefulness around it that, uh, he could repeat that sort of production and guys don't normally take pay cuts when they're coming off of a three war season. So you can see like how it got to that. But yeah, obviously in hindsight, like if you're asking me what I bet against a 41 to 42 year old pitcher, I'm going to say I will bet against that every year. Like it's yeah. just, you're more likely to hit that bet than not. Yeah. But um, it's uh Anyways, it's been a yeah. bummer. I love Adam Wainwright. I can't wait for him to get his red jacket. I can't wait for him to maybe kick Brad out of the uh, the booth and, get and that come country in and record album. You know, country and, record out. I would really uh, love. I don't know. We need some more personality in the booth right now. Yeah, I've actually been meaning to like throw that on our agenda. We can touch on it real quick now if you want. Like, 
you and I were were both uh, pretty, like I think a lot of Cardinal fans, we were pretty like bored by the Chip Carey yes. selection. And I did want to say like, while that sort of rings true that it is, he, he's not exactly an exciting broadcaster. I will say though that I, he's been fine. I know that's not like, I don't want to like damn with, faint praise here but like he's been better than i expected frankly that that said my expectations were pretty low but like yeah he, he hasn't been he's just like blended in which is really i think you know it's you'll take that over being obnoxious or like yeah he hasn't really done any of the stuff that i was worried about like complaining about the current state of the game all that stuff that we were worried about i, I have really caught very little of that now he's not like super fun and exciting or anything like that but like as far as having to replace your all time, your, you know, beloved broadcaster last minute, mm -hmm. like, it, it's gone pretty well, I think. Yeah, I, I, I agree with your your statement for the most part. It, yeah, he has not been as much of a stick in the mud about the current game as I expected and as how he came off from the Braves, maybe or doing Braves broadcast. Maybe he took that note and improved himself. But I think. The, the bigger problem for me has been it is just so boring. He like yeah. lacks personality. He seems almost like an automaton. And then he like tries to sprinkle in some some quirkiness or some uniqueness. And it oh, I don't know. It always kind of lays flat. And then I think like having listened to Brad Thompson for as long as we have now, I, I have his kind of. You know, we listen to these guys every night and it just starts to wear on you. And Brad Thompson kind of says the same things over and over again. Chip Carey kind of says the th same things over and over again. And when Jimmy Ballgame is announcing, at least it's something different. Now, Jimmy is <laughs> always on a tangent and it's some bullshit that makes no sense or something that's slightly racist or <laughs> there, there's always some, at least it's slightly more interesting, but these, the Brad Let's and Chip careful games, here. Let's not say slightly racist is slightly more interesting. <laughs> oh, I'm just saying it's not, I, I I'm, I'm fine with saying that it's at yeah. least it's not this milk toast. Sure. Nothingness. Sure. Um, yeah. I'm not saying I want my announcer <laughs> to be racist, slightly yeah. racist or however you'd like to characterize some of the words that he's used this year. Um, inappropriate, but at mm -hmm. least he's speaking. Um, he, it's coming from a place of somewhat authenticity, even if the core of that authentic thought is uh, garbage, I guess yeah. is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I, I I do know what you're trying to say, and I won't press too hard on it. But um, yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I, I wonder, too, how much of this is just colored by it being bad baseball. Like it's 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 all part of like, you, you know, you're watching you're watching like a package, right? You've got the game, you've got the production, you've got the broadcast and it all starts with the field. Right. And there's only so much these guys can do when game after game. It's like. Well, shit, you know, there goes, sure. you know, there goes the lead. Like it, the, it's got to be yeah. the Mets are in the same the same boat as the Cardinals right now. And Keith and uh, I, I can't think of the other, uh, Ron Darling, they at least come off as authentic presenters and they're not just reading from a script that they've reread six times. So that's anyways, I don't want to dwell on this too much. 
Yeah. Honestly, I watch a lot of like opposing broadcasts, especially like when the Padres are playing. I'm a huge Don Orsillo fan. Uh, so I'll skip over and watch those games a lot uh, or, or sorry, those broadcasts a lot. But yeah, it, it's just been uh, it just hasn't been great. Yeah. And again, I think the main complaint or my main issue with going from uh, Dan McLaughlin to Chip Carey is that Dan McLaughlin was so good at tying in the entire 150 year history of the Cardinals yes. with the current game. And I think Chip uh, obviously has a history of the Cardinals, but. That that was Dan's strong suit, and I I miss that. Yeah, he can remember like a single pitch from a regular game, regular season game in like 1984, and right. tie it back into it into into what's happening now. So yeah, and Chip will be like kind of right about Cardinal history, but he's also been wrong sometimes, or like in the ballpark of accurate, you know. And you can just kind of tell that he doesn't really have that experience. And I mean, why would he, other than his obvious family tie? But he hasn't worked for the Cardinals he hasn't you know he's been so um yeah we'll see I I this started as me essentially complimenting them but I (laughs) but it's but it's it's the uh uh what do they call it the soft bias of low expectations right so um okay well so I guess uh to wrap back to what we were talking about hopefully Wayno ends this season well and we get a couple more wins even though we don't care about it obviously it is something that a lot of people and maybe Adam Wainwright cares about, you know, so if he cares about it, I hope he gets it. Um, let's go in and talk about some other stuff. So we want to run through some recent player updates. Uh, we've gotten some some good news uh, from the injury front. Uh, Ryan Helsley, who, you know, I think we both were. A lot of people were really worried about the 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 specter of Tommy John. Um, seems to have avoided it for now and is actually uh, hoping to be activated at some point, possibly even this week or this weekend. So that's a complete turnaround from the way I was feeling about it. Of course, you know, it's hard not to be a little pessimistic, you know, how often this goes where they decide to do rehab and, and instead of surgery. And, you know, is he just buying more time on the clock or is he actually... Like, it's not a problem. I, I don't know. They're, they're acting like it's not a problem, and he hopefully will be back soon. And so I'd love to get one month of good Ryan Helsley to set up next year. Yeah, you know, I, you know we'll, we'll see. Um, I, I would assume, as we've already talked about, that the Cardinals are being extremely cautious and, and the priority over everything should be health. Um, but yeah, he's had a couple of appearances in the minor leagues. They haven't gone particularly well. Uh, that's not a surprise, not anything. I'm not really worried about his results right now. It's more about, you know, is the ball coming out and is it going a hundred miles per hour plus? Um, but yeah, it's good to, good to have him back or he should be back here soon. Probably maybe around the time this episode drops. Yeah. Um, also Nolan Gorman, uh, was activated from the IL and he's back and they've been cautious with him. It's not like he's starting every day, but Again, like this, this next month is about these younger guys getting their reps and staying healthy. And yeah, uh, I mean, we haven't really talked about him for a little while. You know, he's really settling into one of these uh, this sort of streaky player, I think. Um, but one of the real bright spots of 2023 for the for the St. Louis Cardinals, right? Like there was a lot of people and myself included to some degree this offseason saying Nolan Gorman is the guy that the Cardinals should trade. And part of that is because 
he just had a lot of value. He's a high you know, expectations prospect and he, we can see what the future of him might look like. But now that he's actually doing it, now that he's playing a pretty good second base and he's hitting the ball really hard and these hot streaks that he goes on where he looks like the best hitter in baseball. Uh, I'm pretty glad that they still have Nolan Gorman. Yeah. And of all of the people who can play second base that we think will be traded in this offseason, he's the one that I am the most hopeful that they don't trade, even if you know he would get the most value in return. Yeah, you know, I, I still don't think he should be untouchable by any means because sure. um, the Cardinals need a lot of help um, on the pitching side that a lot needs to happen there. But yeah, I mean, he has done what I mean, so many high end prospects fail to do, and that's have a better sophomore season than rookie season. Yeah, that's improve essentially everywhere. He's walking better. He's hitting the ball harder. Um, he's playing better defense. He's running the bases much better this year. Uh, you know, if you extrapolate that over the next few years, again, he's only 23. Um, you, you have to be excited about the future. That being said, like, I do think, I don't think that the Cardinals defense is the number one reason why they are where they are. But if the Cardinals sign Kevin Kiermeyer in the off season and decide to move away from Nolan Gorman, and want Jordan Walker to be more of a DH and improve the defense as a whole while also improving the pitching. I would not be mad about that. Sure. I, I don't think that that's the worth, like you, you need to reduce the runs that you're giving up. And if that comes through pitching and defense combined in some form or fashion, I think that that's pretty smart. Um, but yeah, I, I love Nolan Gorman. He's really fun to watch. I'll, I'll make sure yeah. to button that, but I don't know. Uh, hey, Almost as if, as you said, his name, Jordan Walker, just hit a three run bomb. And I call uh, him Big Slugger. Big Slugger just hit a three run Let's bomb. Go. So, um, that's my Dick big mountain. Slugs, that's my big slugs out there. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, of course, I agree with you. No one is untouchable. Uh, at the end of the day, the Cardinals need to acquire via trade a high level starter, and he and Gorman main, remains one of your most valuable trade pieces. So, if it comes to that, you could do a lot worse than Brendan Donovan as your starting second baseman. So it, you know, it would be fine, but for my enjoyment, you know, it's, it's been so much fun watching Gorman and he really is a bright spot of the season. 116 WRC plus sophomore, year, 23 year old, 16% yeah. better than the rest of the league. I uh, mean, if, he, it, if it wasn't for injury and he still could, he's almost has a 30 home run season. He's at 24 right now, a month left to play. You know, you could easily see that be 27, 28. And if he hadn't missed some time, like 30 bombs, improve your defense at second base. Like, you know, that's a it's a good story for a sophomore sophomore yeah. year. He'll he seems basically guaranteed to be a 30 plus home run average second baseman, you know, for the majority of his 20s. And that's rare and awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Looking down in the minors Tacoa Roby. He made his first start in double a, uh, three innings, six strikeouts and an earned run. So yeah. obviously he's the, the gym, so to speak of the trade deadline. Uh, Sega say trying to make that case, but, uh, at least at the point of the trade deadline, Roby was the big piece immediately sliding in as a top five Cardinal prospect, a hopeful future mainstay of the rotation. 
this was our first look at him. Um, you know, I know not, you and I don't consider ourselves big prospect hounds, but you know, you can still, I, I watched a lot of this start. Uh, yeah. you know, what, what were your thoughts on it? I mean, holy crap, this guy just <laughs> came back from injury. That yeah. was my first thought. Uh, I mean, he looked great. The fastball had more life on it than I expected. And the breaking ball is legit. Like, yeah. like, like, Super legit. I, I I don't even know what to say, but it is. It falls off the table. It's on the same plane as the fastball, and I, it reminds me of Libertor as as far as the break, except for it's snappier. Mm-hmm. Um, he throws it harder, um, and obviously it's coming from the right side. Uh, but yeah, I, I also I watched that start uh, from him, and he looked fantastic. Uh, I we said this already, but I think he's probably going to be competing for a, uh, a major league roster spot next season. Um, mm-hmm. if it's not in the bullpen in the starting rotation, depending, I mean, looks really good. Obviously, you know, he only went three innings. He's coming back from a shoulder injury. As long as that rehabs normally and he has a normal off season, I think like, let's start the hype train. Like I'm, I'm there already. It's, it's yeah, it's exciting. So yeah, yeah. I think, um, not nothing but really good. Um, let's, I- let's see more. I don't know if you saw this. I, I actually think he did. It's later on the outline, but uh, Harrison Bader has been placed on waivers yep. from the uh, from the Yankees, and you know he's mostly been hurt during his time with them. He's had some really good moments for them, um, but I think uh, considering what the Cardinals got out of Montgomery, uh, and then now what they got out of the trade for Montgomery, which did include Stratton, but it was you know it, Montgomery yeah. was the big piece of that trade. One hundred percent. You got to be happy with this little moment of wheeling and, and dealing from uh from Mosaic and crew turning uh a season and a half of Harrison Bader into a full season essentially of Montgomery and then maybe one of our rotation mainstays yes uh, you know and Sagasay so if you pull up the trade web in like six or seven years and, and the accrued uh like war added the win uh wins above average uh 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 added from this trade it's going to be heavily in favor of the cardinals because of everything you just said so yeah no yeah. it's been great it's mo deserves credit yeah um all right so well here i'll let you intro this next part you want to you want to talk about well yeah i wanted to talk about so september is coming um we're recording on august 30th uh so it's 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 sneaking up on us that means that the Cardinals can add a pitcher and a hitter uh, to their big league roster as rosters expand. If you don't remember, this is a, a newer thing. Uh, the, the roster goes only from 26 to 28, and one of those can be a pitcher uh, as you add. So anyways, I wanted to talk about who the Cardinals should call up. Um, I think that there's a lot of interesting names, um, and I, I kind of have a couple that I picked. And I'm curious of who you think the Cardinals should pick up. So I've decided my picks, Ben's picks, Ben's are, picks, uh, Moises Gomez and mm-hmm. Gordon Graceffo. Uh, my thought with Gomez is that he's been a little hotter recently. He's put up an 851 OPS in the last 18 games. The dude is 24 years old. He's, you know, he, he's getting older and older. Not that he's cooked by any means, um, but, you know, these games don't matter. Kind of curious what this guy can do in the big leagues. He's obviously got real time power. And, you know, if we give him 60 at bats in MLB, how does he perform? So I'd be curious of that. 
Um, you know, where those at bats come, I, I don't think it really matters. Uh, you know, give some other guys some time off and, and get him in there. Maybe it's even just DHing. Um, Luke and Baker's got to got to fight for at bats too. However, that works should be fine. Uh, and then with Graceffo, you know, Graceffo's also he's slightly on the older side of that little group of pitchers in Double A AA and Triple A. He's uh, 23. He's been decent the last couple of months in Triple A. And I really think, you know, the Cardinals are talking about bringing in three pitchers. I just don't think that's going to happen. Um, and I think that the Cardinals are going to need to rely on a Graceffo, a Liberator, a uh, McGreevy, one of those guys. And I say you pick your favorite flavor and get that guy some big league time, uh, maybe as a multi-inning relief, maybe as a backup to a starter who's you don't predict is going to go very long. Uh, but really just get him in the bigs throwing and kind of, you know, get his feet wet, get a cup of coffee and, and hopefully that makes his, uh, uh, leap into MLB next year, or the year after, whenever that is, you know, smoother and you kind of have an idea of how he'll perform, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to tag Rosefo, uh, and again, Moises Gomez. Yeah. It's, it's really hard for me to argue with both of those picks, honestly. Like I think Moises Gomez probably, you know, there was talk of him breaking the team, at, out of spring training this year, you right. know, was it, he led the minors and home runs last year. Yeah. Right. Um, so like what, you know, it's kind of like what, like Luke and Baker, right? Like, I don't know what else this guy needs to do to, to get a shot at the major league level. Um, also speaking of Baker hit his first big league home run. Congrats was to him. Tank. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. Um, so it's hard to argue with, against Gomez because everyone after that you start to, it's like well hey let's ride the hot hand let's get Sagase up here and just see what happens you know yeah. but um I think Gomez is the obvious choice there's some reps in the outfield uh Tyler O'Neill's only playing every other day or every third day right now so let's get Gomez up there and uh let's just see see if it it sticks and gets him at bats um, yeah and yeah, you're, there's this kind of soup of like mildly performing starting pitchers who we've all been hyped about, but none of them are really breaking out this year. Uh, and you chose Graceffo. I was thinking Michael McGreevy would be interesting. He was doing at the beginning of the year. He did really, really well at double A mid twos FIP before earning his promotion to the major league level uh, or I'm sorry to triple A. And, uh, he's had an all right season right at the, at triple a, but you know, he's that pitch and contact kind of guy. Um, you know, he fits what the Cardinals have often found success with and let's get him up here and, and see what some innings at the big league level. You could like, it's kind of the same as Graceffo, right? It's like, maybe he's a long man for next year. Like, right. You know, there, there's plenty of innings and let's, let's let a couple of these guys, try it out at the big league level. So I'll go with McGreevy, but I'm, I'm being pretty passive here. Cause I think there's <laughs> a lot of guys that are all kind of the same after yeah. Gomez, um, you know, McGreevy, I think would be fun. Yeah. I think the only other player that would be an interesting call up is Ivan Herrera. Um, just because he's been great at both levels, triple a and MLB this season. But I think the question is, do you want him just catching every day at triple a, or do you want him spending time with the big league staff? Um, you know, I, w what makes the most sense? Is he taking over the catcher position next year? I, I have to assume the Cardinals have some awareness of who's going to be backing up Wilson Contreras next year. Um, and, you know, and maybe that's Andrew Kisner again, because he's hitting the ball, 
Um, yeah. even though he's a, I know we've very all, below like, average defender. <laughs> um, we've talked enough about this, but I, 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 I truly like, I think it's good. It's what's going to happen. And they're going to get, we're going to ride into next year. Contreras and Kisner, and then Herrera's the backup at AAA. And, and this leads me into the segment that we're going to talk about <laughs> after the break. But uh, I want to talk about Ali and Mo, but we can we can we can All go right. to break first. All right, yeah. So we've got more to talk about. Uh, we're really going to dig in on Ali oh, and Mo here. Yeah. Oh no! Don't be mean to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so I love but before, you just have that impression. It's just always right there. You just can pull I, it I, out at any stop. What do you mean impression? Uh, I hate particularly you. Muppety in that last one. Uh, uh, well, when you really think about it, uh, ultimately. So anyway, uh, ultimately, if you enjoy this show, we want to remind you that we are supported on Patreon. The show is listener supported. If you enjoy what we do, the work that we put into it week in and week out, consider joining the Patreon. Patreon.com slash talking about birds. Subscribers at any level get access to our private Discord. We call it the Bird Scored, baby. We're having a good time in there. Tweet, tweet. Despite the doldrums of the season, some good people in there talking about good things. Check it out. Patreon.com slash talking about birds. Support your favorite creators and get in on a fun little community. Uh, if you are looking for another way to support us, consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcast platform. We haven't gotten any of those for a while. We really appreciate it every time someone takes the the time to do it. So uh, thank you in advance. If you do pull out your phone and, and spend a few minutes uh, doing that, we, we really appreciate it. Yeah. So, we, we need to beat out, you know, C70 and, and Kelsey <laughs> and some of these other, you know, stupid other baseball podcasts. So uh-huh. Give us a review. So we rise above. That's right. That's really what we're in this for is, <laughs> is crushing our friends. And, yes. uh, you know, we're, we're next comes the annexation plan. Who needs Derek Gould? Come on now. Yeah, come on. And our path to Bringing down Derek Gould <laughs> is through positive Apple podcast reviews. There we go. Join the revolution. That's that's <laughs> the branding we need, Ben. Yes. Join the revolution. Join the Talking About Birds Patreon and there leave us positive <laughs> That's a good call to action right there. I'm feeling motivated. <laughs> uh, well, if you want to uh, join the revolution, add your voice to it. Um, you can do that or, you know, you can follow us on other social media. So, Ben, where can people find us elsewhere? Yeah, follow us on Twitter at Talk About Birds. We're on Instagram at Talking About Birds. Uh, you can email us any questions, concerns, criticisms, uh, discussion points, whatever you might have to talk about birds at gmail.com. Uh, we're on TikTok. Check us out on TikTok. Uh, by the way, the podcast can be listened to on Spotify if you prefer Spotify. Check us out there uh, and you can find all that information, new shows, everything at talkingaboutbirds.com. And again, that's talkingaboutbirds.com. Talkingaboutbirds.com. Join the revolution. (laughs) Oh, no. Okay. Wait, I don't like this anymore. (laughs) Too bad. It's happening. No. Wouldn't it be cool if everybody was just chill? All right. Let's talk about. Uh, some, something that's been kind of over the news over the past few days. Um, Ben, will you kind of break this down for us for those who maybe haven't caught on to it and then we can, we can talk about it. 
Yeah, yeah. So just to make sure we're all on the same page, obviously Paul DeYoung was traded to the Blue Jays. I think he uh, was in Toronto for about 19, 20 games, something like that, was DFA'd. And uh, in the interview that Paul DeYoung gave to ESPN last week, he had mentioned that essentially as soon as he was DFA'd, um, that Farhan uh, Zaidi was call, uh, GM or the uh, sorry the president of baseball ops for the Giants was was ringing him up. Brandon Crawford had just gone down with injury, uh, and they need a shortstop. And as we all know, Paul DeYoung is many things, uh, but one of those is steady Eddie as far as defensive shortstop. So, anyways, he's over there. Uh, he's playing for Gabe Kapler, and in an interview, uh, he he mentioned some things that I thought were pretty interesting. He first off. And and the reason I add uh, credence to what Paul DeYoung is saying here is because first off, he was with the Cardinals for a while. He knows this org as well as anybody does. Um, and I think Paul DeYoung is a smart guy. Now, maybe sometimes too smart, um, mm-hmm. but I think he is a, a thoughtful person and, and he organizes his thoughts and he presents them calmly and reasonably, which for a baseball player is, is <laughs> you know, that's good. Low bar, um, but, you know, yeah. Yeah, not not to be too mean to our, our boys. But uh, anyways, uh, first off, he mentioned the importance of having a manager with big league experience, referencing his preference for Gabe Kapler's approach in the dugout and the locker room, basically saying that Gabe Kapler is not um, up in my business, um, so to speak, is let me get my work done and understands uh, the the rigors of 162 games at the big league level. Um, and obviously, you know, you look at the managers that Paul DeYoung has had, and we have Mike Matheny, clearly big league player. Um, and then back to back players, uh, uh, what's his face? Um, Schilt, Schilt never even played professionally and Ali Marmol washed out, I believe in double a, maybe he made it to triple a, but I think that was a light. I don't even think it was a jab. I think that was Paul DeYoung just stating what he felt and having experienced, you know, both versions has a preference over one. So I guess my first thought to that is, is there, is there credence in there? Is this something that other players are frustrated about? Um, or is this Paul DeYoung just kind of saying like, I'm happy to be in San Francisco. The other thing that I want to talk about in this interview is that he referenced the Giants ability to use their entire roster and put the right player in the optimal position to produce their best. Basically talking about the idea, you know, Brandon Crawford is going to come back at some point. He's a left-handed hitting defensively gifted shortstop. Paul DeYoung is a right-handed hitting. And he essentially is saying that I believe that the Giants are going to put me in the best position. And I think I still have a place on this roster. Um, You know, what was that guaranteed or not? I, I don't know. Um, anyways, my question, I guess, or, or, the, or the, the whole thing, I, or the, the point I want to put on this and why I think this interview is, is interesting is, are we seeing Ali Marmol be as dynamic as he can possibly be this season? Should the Cardinals have deployed a more flexible approach to pitching similar to the Giants? The Giants had pitching issues all year. They have Logan Webb um, and a bunch of guys. Um, and they have deployed a some type of opener or some type of dynamic pitching arsenal 50 times this season. And we're, you know, we're in game 130, something like that. So, you know, what is that, like a, a third of the time-ish, something like that? A- anyways, I say all of that. What do you think that means? Should we be more critical of Ali? A- and I guess the other question, is this Ali or Mo who's kind of driving the ship around this conversation? Yeah, it's an interesting interview. Um, and I I echo your sentiment around like 
you know, trusting Paul DeYoung. And he didn't have to say all this stuff. I do think he was being um, very candid while and 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 choosing his words carefully. Um, and, you know, he doesn't owe the Cardinals anything. You know, he no. he's he you know, I, I actually it's nice to hear some of his perspective on stuff. Um, on that latter point, I think th- this is always a tough one because the results are not in the manager's control, right? Right. The choices on who you put where is in their control, but they can't, they can't, you know, will Giovanni Gallegos into not having a terrible season or sure. not terrible season, but you know, a bad season that even with Cabrera might've been used perfectly. He kind of fell apart this year and was ultimately DFA'd, right? Like, it's really hard to put to to diagnose like the bullpen is where people get like the most angry at managers. And for the most part this year, like there's been moments that I've I've thought like, man, Ali, you left a guy in a little too long yeah. or why would you go to this guy instead of this guy? Um, but I have not had any glaring issues with like the bullpen specifically and his management of it they have been bad because they are not performing like he has followed a relatively consistent script that you would think most people would you know like it's the general generally considered recipe for success and it just hasn't worked over and over and over because of poor performances now are those poor performances because they're put in bad spots or is it i don't know it's like it 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 but I don't think Marmol is a bad bullpen manager. I, that said, I I have been a fan of the idea of the opener. I know you hate it. So are you starting to change your mind on that? Or or do you think that would have made more sense for the Cardinals this year? I, I hate it. I think it's bad aesthetically. But <laughs> I am not in the Cardinals front office or in the dugout. And I am not charged with winning games. The St. Louis Cardinals pitching staff is responsible. They they've put up 12.7 F war this season. The San Francisco Giants pitching staff has put up 12.2 F war this season. One of those teams are in a much better place regarding the, the playoffs and the standings. The Cardinals have a better offense than the Giants. Um, And I'm just this. All I'm saying is whether I like it aesthetically or not, the Cardinals should be. Or, or do they lack creativity? If Steven Matz is having trouble in the first inning uh, time after time and they're playing the Padres and they got four, uh, three or four righties to lead off against Matz, does it make sense to have a uh, Drew Verhagen go against those first righties and then bring Matz in and be a little bit more creative in the way that you deploy them and being less rigid? I'm not saying that that's what I would do. I'm not saying, but I am saying you're, you're looking at two teams who are constructed uh, somewhat similarly, at least on the pitching staff side. And one team is a lot more successful. And I think that it, it is clear to me from the outside looking in that the Giants ha- are more advanced analytically than the Cardinals yeah. and therefore more successful. Um, They've done it a couple of years in a row now where you're like, why it, this team should not be good and they and they continue to do it and i mean all even all the way back to their you know dynasty so, so to speak their their three championships like yeah there were some stars on that team but they were kind of stars outside of buster posey they were kind of stars because 
of the success of the team, you know, not necessarily like as, uh, you know, MVP level players on the field. So that's what they've been doing for a long time. Um, I mean, I think, yeah, they obviously I think the Cardinals could be could be doing it a lot better. And I think that does come down from Mo. I think we're all pretty aligned on the at this point that Mamal is is an extension of uh, Mosaic and Cruz perception on how the game should be played. And, you know, we'll never know for sure. At least we probably won't know for a long time exactly what went down with Mike Schilt. But it was we do know that it was essentially he wasn't willing to do exactly what Mosaic and crew wanted him to do. Yeah. And then, you know, Marmol kind of come in and be like, oh, I see. OK, you can be fired like suddenly yes. for disagreeing with this crew, you know? Yeah. And oh. I, I don't blame Marmol, but I think we were all kind of sold on him in the sense that he was going to be this hyper dynamic play the numbers uh, you know, uh, a pinch hit or, or sub somebody out on the pitching or position player side when it makes sense, when it's a high leverage point in the game. And I think, you know, up until the past few weeks, I think the Cardinals have been trying to win maybe past month. I think the Cardinals have been trying to win. And I don't think we've seen that. So I think it's, I think it's perfect, perfectly legitimate to question whether or not Mo and therefore Ali Marmol have the creativity, uh, the ability to be dynamic, the ability to use advanced analytics um, on the level that the best front offices and management groups in the league. And I think that, um, I don't know, I think they should be criticized for that. And I think that especially when you're seeing this massive deficiency in your pitching staff, um, the fact that you kind of keep your head down and stick to the plan, and, you know, uh, kind of jerk around some other pitchers that are on the periphery of the 26 man. Um, I don't know. It, it it makes me question what those meetings are like, what those conversations are yeah. like. And and it, they seem to be behind. I agree 100 percent. I mean, I, it, it's uh, they're, they're behind the league on almost everything pitching related. Yeah. Right. Like it seems like they can kind of develop high-end relievers we've had enough of them over the last few years come through to feel some degree of confidence that like your ryan helsley's and your jordan hicks you know most teams don't have one of those guys let alone two so there's something that the organization is doing well with turning these you know fireballing right-handers out but after that it's it pretty much collapses we've been talking about it all year right um and so there's clearly a deficiency both in the development and the usage of pitching. It's it's this is this year is just when it finally all truly collapsed and it wasn't yeah. able to be made up for with uh you know patch jobs and sudden explosions of your offense like Albert right. Pools. And then, you know, I to the other point of Paul DeYoung's interview, like <laughs> is Ali Marmol just annoying? Or or is <laughs> or is that Paul DeYoung just kind of saying Oh, I actually really like playing for Gabe Kapler. Ollie's good too, but I really like playing for Gabe. And you know who knows? Yeah, that, that's it's vague enough where you could give him a ton of outs to say he's not necessary. It 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 doesn't have to be an insult to Ali Marmol to be a compliment to, to right. Gabe Kapler. You know, um, but it certainly reads that way, right? Like when you it's say not great, yeah, 
you say it's nice to play for someone with big league experience and the guy you just came from is someone who does not have it. Like, <laughs> I mean, it, it sure seems like a shot at Marmol. Uh, and I think that's more likely just, it's a personal preference, you know, cause I, I've, you know, some guys may, may want that and some guys may not, you know, or may not care. Right. Um, you know, Paul DeYoung has, has kind of been through the ringer of like the major league experience over the last handful of years sent down to the minors a ton, uh, you know, really high highs, like the all-star, you know, being an all-star at one point and being a core part of some deep playoff runs earlier in his career. And then the last few years have been a real big struggle. Um, you know, I, it's a very unique experience and I'm sure right. he has a lot of opinions on management and communication style. And I'm sure some things worked really well for him and some of it didn't work well. I, I wouldn't go as far as to say that is a strong judgment on Marmol objectively, but subjectively. Absolutely. It sounds like yeah. he did not like playing for Marmol. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I don't know. It's interesting. And, um, now it's, you know, it's kind of a moot point cause the season is dead, but, uh, yeah. Curious. Well, but I mean, I don't know. It Marm like I think you and I have generally been like critical of Marmol, but you know, generally also believe that he's still the right guy for the job, you know. But mm -hmm. it's little things like this, it does chip away, right? When you start to hear players, more and more players saying, like, I didn't really like playing for him, you know. Yeah, it, uh, it makes you think like we've talked about this earlier in the year too. It's like, do the Cardinals need to just go and get one of those like 65 year old dudes who've been in the game forever and they won't, they don't necessarily have new ideas, but they can follow directions and, you know, give you a good hoorah speech instead of whatever it is. Marmol's trying to do. <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, what is, uh, some of the best managers in Bob Melvin, Terry Francona, uh, Buck Showalter, Bruce Bochy. They're all people. They're all player managers. And they're old guys that have been doing it forever. Um, and I don't know, again, I'm not saying Ali is, is good or bad, but he, I don't think, has done a great job making the players feel good this year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think he he calls it accountability. And I think that there's a time for that and there's a, not a time for that. And there's well, we don't need to dredge up the things that have already happened this season. And maybe some of that communication was also from the front office. But... It's kind of weird. I don't know. You know, uh, yeah. Tony Larusa, obviously, you know, with all his problems, he would always take the blame or lash out at the media if they were criticizing his players. And you know, he's got a couple of World Series and and is one of the most winningest managers of all time. You know, I don't know. It's I, I think we should question it. I'm I'm not saying ship him out just yet, and maybe he can learn and grow from the season, but it should be a topic yeah. of conversation. Certainly feels like we need Marmol to stop doing post-game pressers at this point because like, or he needs to get a new script from the communications yeah. department or something. But like all this, we got work. This is not us. We got to find a way to win. You know, we're, yeah. we got to find a way to, you know, he like, we just got to find a way, you know, yeah. just find our way. We got to, we got to do the thing. Like it's, it's the same thing over and over and over. And I know it's a tough spot for him because they just keep losing and you have to go and do that press conference. But like, you know, I'd, I'd love to uh, 
actually hear the reality at this point. Just like, hey, the the guys are tired. It's been a yeah. long season. Uh, you know, we're we're trying to we're trying to to play hard, but um, we're also trying to stay healthy or something. We're, like that. we're also deploying Casey Lawrence twice a week. So what do you yeah. want me to do? Yeah, obviously right. he's not going to say that. That that would be more of his uh, patented accountability. But uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Anyways, yeah. Uh, well, I think you know, no for better or worse, twenty twenty four will be uh, a Marmol season. Now, does it go after that? I think we'll find out. <laughs> it's going to be a big but, question. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a sure thing. No. Um, all right. What next? So we've got some uh, a couple series coming up. Um, a kind of a tale of two seasons here. Uh, uh, we've got three games against the Pirates, which, you know, we've seen them a lot. It, maybe this is a chance to really make up some ground in the competition of who's going to finish last in the NL Central, the Pirates. Or the oh, Cardinals. yeah. Um, but I don't know if, you, if you've been paying attention. Key Brian Hayes, I know you're a big fan, has been... Um, seemed to have been really stepping up recently. Uh, he's a big part of their future. So maybe we'll see some, see some fun, you know, one point he was like the most hyped guy in, you know, in the minors and then early in his career, then injury has just continued to, to derail, but he's a fun player. And, and I know O'Neill Cruz is out, but like, yeah, you can see a world where that, that left side of O'Neill Cruz and key Brian Hayes would be, will be a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, Key Bryant's awesome. He's going to be a 2020 perennial uh, guy with perennial gold glove. Um, he's just got to lift the ball a little bit more. But yeah, he, he's been super hot since coming off the IL. Um, but yeah, I don't think we need to hit on the Pirates too much. We've seen them a bunch recently. Um, but yeah, the Cardinals are currently, uh, before this uh, Padres-Cardinals uh, game on Wednesday is over, the Cardinals are currently three games behind Pittsburgh. Uh, so if they can sweep, um, <laughs> you're feeling pretty good about that record holding up. But right now, uh, it's really not looking good. Um, and I don't think the yeah. Cardinals are going to sweep that series. So that that is what we're paying attention to. Um, but look out, those those Pirates, they're coming. Yep. And then after that, we go to Atlanta for three game yeah. series against the Braves, a, a juggernaut of a team. Uh, you know, I, I was reading about this the other day, Nate. The Braves have the mo- most runs scored in baseball right now. They have okay. given up the second fewest runs. The no- they have the fewest in the National League, the f- uh, second fewest in baseball overall. Um, and I don't know how often that happens. Maybe we- this is something that we can find out. Only the Mariners have fewer runs given up uh, allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I think that's really all you need to know. They have the best offense in baseball and essentially the best run prevention in baseball. Um, and they good. show no signs of slowing down. No, they don't. And all like this, that I don't know. I haven't looked at it, what their upcoming like free agency looks like, but pretty sure everyone who matters on that team right now is signed for the next like five years or more. Uh, yeah. and they've got some pretty interesting prospects too. So yeah, they're a really good team and they're going to be really good for a long time. They have 10 players with a WRC plus above 110. Nice. Um, now I saw they're... a thing the other day, the Cardinals have six, I think over yeah. 110, uh, that, but that, 
Uh, not, the Cardinals not. have had problems sequencing all year with risp and whatnot, but they have the seventh best offense in baseball, according to WRC plus there. The offense yeah. is still there. It, obviously without Newt and Gorman the last few weeks, it hasn't looked great, um, but their offense is still there. It just, yeah, your team looks really streaky when you have zero pitching and you can only rely on your offense. You get, if you only win games on offense. Yeah, yeah it's, it's going to be, you, you need to win those one, nothing two one, you know, three, one games. Yeah. Uh, the Cardinals just aren't winning this year, but yeah, the Braves are amazing. Um, you know, Acuna is is looking is is on pace for some record setting years. Although Betts is starting to catch up as far as the MVP race is. goes, which is fun. For uh, up until really this last month, it was like Acuna is probably going to win unanimously. Now there's a little bit of uh, competition, and uh, Betts is is making it interesting. But uh, my money's still on Acuna, but it won't surprise me if Betts wins. Uh, so. If you, uh, if you, and I'll just say you have to pick these players for one season um, to to build your team around. You're trying to win in 2024. Do you pick Acuna Jr. and Matt Olson or Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman? Uh, I I close your eyes and just grab one because you're happy <laughs> with either. Um, yeah, I, I guess. I'm probably going Acuna and Olsen. Uh, even though Acuna has had his injury problems, it's still a considerably younger pairing than Betts and Freeman. And I guess even though it's not really fair to them because they've not had this, but like I'm a little worried about injury with those guys as sure. they've gotten older. And Olsen still feels like he has a like 60 home run season in him that we haven't seen yet. And so I'll take that upside because I think we know now we know what the upside of Freeman and Betts is. And it's obviously incredible MVP level, but I want that 60 bomb season from Olsen, the 40 bomb season from Acuna and his like 80 steals that he's going to end up with. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, they've. Uh, yeah, I think I think I agree with that if I had to choose, although I love Mookie Betts so much. Oh, sure. Um, but yeah, now, anyways, yeah, get, Mookie Betts is the is my maybe my favorite player in baseball. But yeah. if I'm just on the field, I'm, I think I'm going the other way. Yeah. Um, so obviously, Ronald and Matt Olson have been fantastic this year, uh, both MVP level seasons, Ronald far and away. Uh, Sean Murphy, we haven't talked about him in a while, but he is having a lights out season. He is uh, at four and a half F war, 20 bombs, great defense. Uh, he's been yeah. great. Then Austin Riley, Ozzy Albies, Michael Harris. Um, these are just like the, you know, how you fill out a roster with like superstar after superstar. Yeah. Um, and their pitching is getting healthier right now. So, um, you know, the good thing about watching the Braves is you get to watch the Braves. Um, mm-hmm. And hopefully we get to see a Spencer Strider start. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be really yeah. tough. Um, they're, they're a good team who is playing exceptionally well currently. So, yeah. um, good luck. Perfect mix. Uh, if you're a fan of the Cardinals, uh, you know, getting better options in the lottery, this is the series <laughs> for you. Yes. Uh, you know, I'll say, uh, Mookie and Freddie way more fun than Ronald and Matt. Just yeah. from a, from a, from a first name standpoint. So Ronnie and that. Maddie. Ronnie, Ronnie, I guess Ronnie and Maddie. No, yeah, no, that's worse. Are you giving, uh, if you had to give the award out today, would Spencer Strider be your uh, Cy Young winner in the National League? He's an interesting one. 
obviously that strikeout rate is insane. Um, but he does give up some runs. Yeah, probably like that. That K rate is is wild. Uh, it is. So probably I know Blake Snell is starting to make an argument. We we saw yeah. a little bit of that. Um, he's leading the I think all of baseball and ERA. Yeah. Um, and he's striking guys out, too. So but Strider is just and he's got that stash. And he's like 510 and he's throwing. Yeah. <laughs> I saw a. Uh, who was it? It's like a six foot seven guy who throws a hundred. I forget who it was, but you know that what's super popular on social media where they do like the you put the two guy like the oh yeah the overlays like the overlays and it was uh, Spencer Strider up uh, next to like I forget who it was. I think it was a closer, but anyway, it was like showing like mechanics of a one hundred mile per hour pitch. It's just oh, such yeah. a, so interesting seeing this dude who's like a foot shorter than than the other guys throwing as hard. Makes yeah. me think of like Tim Lincecum. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that Strider's mechanics are probably going to be a little longer lasting than uh than Tim Lincecum. But well, he's got that lower half that just yeah. <laughs> makes everyone go is that, crazy. Is that booty power? Yeah, well, he's, oh, the, yeah. He's, he's a real thigh guy. Ooh, mommy. Um <laughs> anyways, yeah. And uh shout out Zach Wheeler. That has been a low-key amazing signing by the Phillies. He could he could also snag an NL Cy Young uh, this year. But, yeah. Uh, anyways, Pirates, Cardinal or uh, Atlanta. I feel like both of these teams are better than the Cardinals right now. Um, good luck, guys. <laughs> Man, Oviedo. Have you seen that since the All Star break? He has the lowest batting average against uh, in in the NL. So, yeah, he looks good. Cool. I mean, we that's, you know we we knew that was the, coming. The day of the trade, he's going to be great. Yep. But good yep. for him. All right. Um, let's run through some league news. It's been there's, there's a couple stories in here that my goodness. Uh, yeah, let's run through it. What do you got? OK, so I'm going to go. Let's talk waiver wire and I'm just going to blabber on for a second. And then I think we should talk about the cardinal implications, because I know I've seen Twitter and other social media saying we need this guy. We need this guy. We need this guy. Um, but something interesting has happened. Um, the, the waiver wire is coming upon us. Uh, players must be added, I believe, before September to count on the postseason roster. So here are some names. Uh, the Angels have placed Lucas Giolito, Matt Moore, Reynaldo Lopez, Hunter Renfro, Randall Grichik. Um, Yep, that is the list on waivers. The White Sox have placed Mike Clevenger on waivers. The Yankees have put Harrison Bader and Josh Donaldson on waivers. The Mets have put Carlos Carrasco on waivers. And the Guardians have DFA'd Noah Syndergaard. Um, So obviously that's a lot of names, a lot of implications. I think that a good chunk of those guys will probably affect uh, playoff races in some form or fashion. Um, and, and we could talk about that till our faces are blue. Hopefully next week we'll have a bunch of news on where these guys all end up. My question to you is, should the Cardinals be interested in any of those names, um, to bring onto their team? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, you know, and the Cardinals should, if they do want any of these guys, they have a reasonable chance at getting them. Uh, it's the, it goes in reverse order of the standings. So yep. Cardinals have, like, I think the they're fifth, fifth or sixth. Fifth yeah. or six in the waiver wire. Yeah. So you could expect they probably could get the guy that they want. The other people in the standings that are below them don't really profile as a team that would take a shot at any of these guys. So you could see the Cardinals doing it. Um, so the, the opportunity is there. Now, that said, 
generally speaking, no, I'm not particularly interested in most of these guys. Uh, the one person I think is possibly worth it is really the biggest name in the list, which is Lucas Giolito. Um, he's going to be a free agent after this season. Cardinals need starters. He will likely be an affordable option. He's always had that ceiling and he's had moments of really, you know, he, or he's looked really good, but he's just consistently failed to put together a, like a, a good full season. But he would profile as a pretty good, affordable, maybe number three starter for the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah. So why not bring him in, get him a uniform, you know, show him the Cardinal way and see if he has some success. And then maybe you've built a little bit of a bridge for a good negotiation. Yeah, um, that makes sense to me. Like, what is there to lose other than uh, paying one month of his salary? But whatever. Um, after that, like, you know, Reynaldo Lopez has had some moments of success as a reliever. We need relievers. You could see that like basically the same uh, same argument that you make for Giolito being made for him. After that, I, I you know, I like there was a time when I thought Syndergaard was the next great thing everybody did. but he if, if if the Dodgers can't fix him, if none of these teams that he's bounced around can fix him, like what are we thinking will happen in one month with the Cardinals? You right. Know? So uh, I'd rather see some of the guys from the Cardinals uh, minor leagues get those starts rather than, yeah, you know, someone like that, uh, even though it'd be fun to briefly have Thor as a Cardinal. So yeah, yeah go for it. Why not? But yeah, uh, you know, I'm not feeling, I won't be too bummed if, if like they just let all these guys slide. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, there's two players on this list that I would be interested in. You already named one of them, Giolito. And that would be, like you said, to try to sell him on next year um, and, and bring him in. If you identify him as a guy, especially like, like you said, you get him into the system. Um, and I think that makes it easier to sign him going into next year. Cause at least he knows what he'd be getting himself into. Um, and then I would say Harrison Bader would be the only other player I'd be interested in just because um, outfield defense. And I think, Bader would be an interesting target for the Cardinals going into the offseason. I don't think that they will get him. Um, I do think going for a uh, glove first center fielder makes a lot of sense for this team. Um, but I don't think you need to sell Harrison Bader on St. Louis because he knows it. So if that's yeah. a direction you want to go, you can get him in the offseason. I don't think there'd be any reason to go pick him up now. But uh, I agree with you. And I do think um, outside of the Lucas Giolito sales job that we might be trying to do, any innings should be uh, given to young guys internally in the month of September to get their yeah. cup of coffee or uh, Lawrence or uh, or Lawrence or Barnes. Yeah, Barnes, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. Maybe Verhagen can turn something on. There you go. Um, all right. Moving down the list. Steven Strasburg has announced that he has retired from baseball. Um, all I have to say about him is he was awesome. I remember his first start. It was Same. on ESPN. It was appointment viewing. Um, should like a guy with hall of fame talent that just could not stay healthy, but somebody who I absolutely love playing or watch playing. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he's great. Sad to see him go, but, uh, I don't know if you read the breakdown of his contract, but he is, uh, he'll be fine. He's, uh, yeah, he's getting he's paid good. like $30 million a year for the foreseeable future. So good for Strauss for, for securing the bag, but, uh, yeah, sad to see him go. Yeah. And despite all the injuries and all the struggles, you know, he won a World Series was the NL uh, or was the MVP of the World Series that they won. Like you could you could do a lot worse yeah. uh, than what he did. So 
Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he was, you know, probably hall of fame talent and yeah. just, uh, you know, it's hard baseball sports, sports are hard. So, sports are hard. Uh, I also remember his first start. I was playing in a home game, a poker game, and we would like literally get up all of us and go watch his half yeah. inning and then go back and sit down. Cause it was yeah. just like, it was electric. I think he struck out 10 guys in that yeah. first start. So it was awesome. I, I didn't know they made breaking balls like that when he first came up. It was, <laughs> yeah, right? it was wild. Yeah. Um, moving on. This is old news at this point, but something we do need to talk about. Shohei Otani uh, has been diagnosed with a tear in his UCL. Will very likely need Tommy John surgery. This will be a second Tommy John surgery. Uh, so obviously will not pitch again this season. And it appears as though he will DH for the remainder of the season. Um, obviously big time bummer. Yeah. Um, I do think that, uh, I think, I believe that he will pitch as a starter again. I know some people are questioning whether or not that will happen. I think that it will. I think the very interesting thing is what does this do to the off season that is about Shohei Otani? Yeah. Um, obviously he is going to be the number, as soon as the season ends, he is the number one story in baseball until he signs. And I actually think that this UCL tear is going to add intrigue and more options to his his offseason. I yeah. think this probably knocks him down from being only being able to be signed by like the Mets, Yankees and Dodgers into a different level of teams. And I don't think the Cardinals are going to sign Shohei Otani. No. I, I bet knowing the Cardinals and how annoying they can be. Sometimes they're not even going to present to Shohei Otani. Yeah. But something like this does bring him into the tier of teams like the Cardinals, the Mariners, um, who like the giant, Oh, the giants could probably be involved either way. Cause they, yeah, you know, they print money. We'll, we'll throw the cubbies in there. Uh, the Marlins have a lot Phillies. of money to spend Phillies. Um, yeah. I, I think this knocks them down into the second, uh, tier, second or third tier. So it's a bummer. Um, I still think he's, you know, obviously Shohei's going to be taken care of financially. He already is taken care of financially. Yeah, he's the highest paid athlete in the world already. So, but he's I'll doing be okay. Curious to see if this opens that up. There was yeah. a background report earlier this week that said uh, Shohei has already selected the team that he wants to go to. Mm. Um, now, new, that doesn't really new, mean anything. New. <laughs> Newt's uh, got his fingers in him. It'd be a lot of fun. Um, but like I said, I, I expect to not even hear a, a whiff of the Cardinals entertaining bringing Shohei yeah. because, Same. you know, why? Well, would especially they? since he's not a pitcher. I mean, is it really the right thing for the Cardinals? I mean, obviously we would all love it, but like if you're going in this offseason, it's like we could either sign Aaron Nola and Blake Snell or Shohei Otani. Like the right move for the Cardinals, unfortunately, is likely uh, like Blake Snell and uh, Aaron Nola, even though, you know, w with with the now the understanding that if you want Otani to pitch again, you have to lose him for a year. Yeah. If not more. Right. Yeah. I mean, no matter what, whoever's signing him, he can't just keep going with this torn UCL. So right. whoever signs him, you're you're paying for at least a year without him. Yeah. You know, we've seen what Harper's doing. And that's pretty incredible. But even still, it was like almost a full year and he's only now he's back and he's crushing. Yeah. You know, but like you are banking whatever this AAV is for Otani, like you're you're paying one year without him. Right. That and then who knows what he comes back at as as a pitcher, you know, probably and, great. But, you know, I, I think I'm I mostly agree with what you're saying. 
But it should also be noted that Shohei Otani is leading the American League in offensive war totally. alone. So, so yeah, well, this no, he's is like uh, signing Jordan Alvarez, yeah. and Jordan Alvarez can also give you 160 innings of 3.5 ERA after missing a year and hopefully recovering in the way that you would expect. But he will also be in his 30s by the time that happens. And it just gets more and more risky, right? After a second Tommy John. There's just a whole new level of risk on this. And you could see a world where a team, you know, he probably doesn't sign with this team, but I can imagine a fair amount of teams would only want to sign him as an offensive player because you're right. He's incredible. And he's worth, he's the best, he's both the best offensive player and maybe the best pitcher on the market right now. It's so it's, it's wild. And that's why you were getting those crazy numbers of like, yeah. oh, he's going to be 650 million. But now you are, you're signing the best offensive player in the league, which is incredibly valuable. But that's why I was saying like the Cardinals, like, is it the best use of your money? Because you could see a world where we would just end up right back where we are ne- this year, even if we had the second best or the best offense in baseball we still would have like a, a straight trash row. Uh, yeah. Well, we'd be the, we'd be like the, the angels, angels yeah. you know? So um, I, I don't know him not being able to give you 150 innings as, uh, as a great starter fundamentally changes his value yeah. for, for some teams. Yeah. I, I will be absolutely shocked if he is not a Dodger. I think it yeah. makes all the sense. Same. That's um, my, that's my, my guess. Yeah. And then it's like three steps down. And then it's like the Yankees, uh, he decides to stay with the angels or like the Rangers or something. Yeah. I I think, I don't know, for some reason, the Mariners just keep sticking in my mind that he's going to go there. Well, Um, there is that connect, you know, that longstanding connection between, uh, Japanese players and, and well, can you have a better ambassador than Ichiro? Right. Um, but yeah, we'll see. But Say what? Nintendo. They owned the, they were part of the ownership group of the Mariners at one oh, point. Oh, I didn't know that. Look at mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Well, does Shohei have a switch? I bet he does. I bet he has a switch. Yeah. Um, all right. Moving on to a couple of kooky stories that happened uh, this week on uh, the lovely uh, Kurs Field. Um, the uh, Atlanta Braves were playing my Rockies and two fans swarmed onto the field and made contact with Ronald Acuna Jr., which uh, isn't something that I've seen. Acuna was fine. Obviously, big, strong guy. He can take a a little fan kind of bumping into him. Looked like the guy was drunken and crazed and was going for a selfie. Um, And it sounds like a third person tried to run onto the field as well, but was uh, like tackled before he even really got on. Um, But I apologize for Rockies fans. Rockies fans can be terrible. Uh, well, my, I was worried because I thought it was you at first, you know, fits a lot of the profile. Um, I respect know. the game. Nate. <laughs> I may be, I'm, I'm a lot of things, but I would never attack Ronald Acuna Jr. Also, I am smart enough to be afraid of yeah. running at Ronald Acuna That's, Jr. I can't believe they got luckily he was in a good mood or whatever. He was, he felt safe because I don't know of all players in baseball. He'd be one of the last I'd want to like freak out and, and yeah. physically attack. Um, but uh, yeah, anyways, those guys are lucky. Uh, they both got arrested perma bands, I'm sure. Um, and I just got to call out Rocky's security. Like, how did you let two guys get yeah. to him before you even get hands on them? Um, but uh, I don't know. Kind of yeah. kind of crazy. Glad Ronald's OK. 
Uh, don't do that. It's so no. stupid. This is uh, one of two bad ballpark stories that we're going to talk about today. <laughs> so this one's quite a doozy. I cannot believe this one. I know. So there's a game. Um, it was uh, White Sox uh, uh, versus the Guardians, I believe. Um, and this is uh, coming from Peggy Kosinski, uh, reporting out of Chicago. Uh, and she says in a tweet earlier this week, as I reported, uh, there was a shooting at guaranteed guaranteed rate field during a White Sox game. Uh, it was an accidental discharge by one woman who was grazed by the bullet. She reportedly snuck the gun in past metal detectors, hiding it in the folds of her belly fat. And while that gun was tucked away in the folds of her belly fat. It somehow went off, shot her, grazing her, and then shot another woman who was sitting next to her in the calf. Um, and what I think is even crazy, well, maybe, no, that's the craziest part of the story is that somebody yeah. did that. The yeah. second craziest part of the story is that the White Sox were asked by the Chicago PD to pause the game, to put a little, uh, a little space in the game so that they could investigate. And Jerry Reinsdorf and the White Sox Said no. Play hey, on. This is Chicago, baby. Keep the game going. It's a shoot with well, the shootings every day. We don't need to stop them for what the for hell this. are you doing right now? I don't know. It's going at first. I was going for Chicago, and then it and then it like they all do. It just ended up New York. Um, yeah, you suck. Yeah, man. There's so much to unpack in this one. There was it was quite a ride too because you know you hear about a shooting in the ballpark and that's horrible. Um, America, baby. And then, and then it was like, oh, it was actually bullets fired a mile away that fell into the ballpark, which is also horrifying, but in a totally different way. And then you find out that it's this woman who snuck a gun in through her belly fat. And that's just a, like a twisted version of horrible that I never would have even thought about. I didn't know I needed to be worried about people packing in their, in their folds and those folds somehow pulling a trigger there's so much in not only that I, but i am surprised that metal detectors can't well, I, find guns through belly fat unless have, this woman I is a theory. Yeah. i have a theory on that I don't, I don't know anything beyond what you've read but i have a theory is that she's i don't know what she was wearing but we've all seen it where people go through metal detectors it goes off and then they're like uh, look, I don't have anything. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, are you wearing a belt? And they're like, yeah, and they're like, all right, just go on, you know? And like, not a diss on like, you know, major event security, but I've seen that a, a yeah. dozen times, you know, or you, or, you know, like a friend of ours who has a, as a, a metal hip, you know, you just like, I have a fake hip and they're like, okay, go on. Right. Yeah. Like you're not searching that part of a person. If they're not wearing anything that you think could like hide a holster, like, People get through metal detectors that bing all the time. So I, I bet either it didn't bing because I don't know, it can't go through that, which I would think it could, but I don't know. And then, or it did. And they were just like, ah, whatever, go on, you know, as a stadium security person, I don't think it is within the realm of responsibility to lift someone. That's what I'm saying. Belly fat rolls. Yes. Yeah. Like if she's just wearing like a t-shirt and jeans and it goes off and they're like, and she's like, I don't know. They're like, yeah, whatever. Go on. You know, I've like never considered the utility of these secret compartments that yeah. some people have. Wow. Um, not only have I never considered, I cannot believe that someone 
that we share this earth with thought that that was a good idea. They first off have the thought, ooh, I can hide my gun in my belly fat, but I'm going to, not only am I going to do that, but then I'm going to go to a White Sox game with my gun. Yeah, it's, there's so many layers to this. I'm like trying to not, you know, like, man. Trying to not what? I don't know. The fact that there's enough (laughs) space in there and enough, like, like the confidence that it's just going to stay in there like a like a like a gelatinous cube like a like a like a like a sword and shield stuck in a gelatinous uh, cube <laughs> Do you think that she's just, done this many times? It, this can't be the first time. This is you're not dry run, you know, this isn't a dry yeah. run. You know, this this is and then, this is where she's and packing, you know. Yeah, and then what like Eloy hits a home run and you stand up and bang yeah, I, I mean, she's so I mean, she's lucky on a million counts. First of all, that she's alive because it yes. very easily could have shot her. And then but more importantly, that it didn't kill anyone. Like, can oh, you imagine God. getting shot through the belly of someone sitting next to you at a White Sox? You're already at a White Sox. Game. Right. You know, you're not having a good time. And then you get shot through the belly fat of someone next to you. Oh it's, it's it might be the most American story of all time. It's 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 incredible and it's horrible. I, it's um, yeah. Leave your so, guns at home, people. You you're not at that big. Of, you're not that cool and at that big of a risk that you need to have it at any moment. It yeah. Well. Maybe you do, because now I don't know. You got this. Now I don't know. Also, if it's that far in there and it's that secure, like, can you really retrieve it quickly in a state of emergency? I don't know. Like, it just is in. It's it's incredible. (laughs) Not in a positive way. But it's incredible. Uh, All right. Well, luckily, are other people doing at at talk about birds? My God, you store things in your belly fat, valuable, expensive, dangerous items. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, I knew we were going to talk about this and I've both been looking forward to and dreading it the whole time. <laughs> That's all I got for league news. Okay. Jesus. All right. Well, we're go- We're so long on this episode. We're going to wrap up, uh, this one by checking in on a uh, prediction game. We've done this two years in a row now. And we tend to do quarterly check-ins. So we're a little past that we're, 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 right, we're right around like the 75% uh, 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 point of the season. We've got one month left. Um, this was a game we did. It was called draft day heroes and hatchlings edition. If you're new to the show at the beginning of the season, we did a draft. We each took three people from the 26 man roster and three people not on the 26 man roster. And our goal is to see who ends up with the most combined F war by the end of the year. Last year we did it and we tied, which is wild. And so this year um, we will run through it. Yeah. So uh, let's see. We'll start with mine, um, which I had Nolan Arenado, Nolan Gorman, Dylan Carlson. That's my heroes. And then my hatchlings, I had Matt Liberator, Gordon Graceffo, and, and Moises Gomez. So, uh, Nolan Arenado is currently at a 2.9 F war. So yeah. he's put up almost a full war since we last checked in on this. Uh, Nolan Gorman is at 2.1, which is pretty good. Yeah. And then Dylan Carlson 
has fallen since the midway point of the season. He's now at 0.2. And Matt Libertor has doubled his war since the since the midway point. Uh, he's actually at 0.6, which was higher than I was expecting. I, I'm assuming that game against the Rays. That, like, that was probably like half a multiple, war right there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it has to be. He's at 0.6. Yeah. And like... There hasn't been much since then. So I've had a pretty good last quarter, though. Um, at yeah. the midway point, I was at four, and I'm now at 5.8. And, and hey, if I'm right, we'll see uh, Graceffo and Gomez here shortly. Right? Yeah. So a chance to add or or subtract. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, yeah. Yeah. Then you had, I believe, the first overall, and you took uh, Goldschmidt. Um, MVP. And, uh, no, actually, I, no, I, I had the first overall. I took Arenado. Okay. Uh, I mean, you took Paul Goldschmidt, uh, who is having the best season on the Cardinals. He is at a 3.5. You also then took Tyler O'Neill, who actually, even though it doesn't really feel like he's been around, uh, when we last checked in on this, he was at negative 0.3. He's now at 0.6. Yeah. So he's even in good. limited time, he's been having an impact. Tyler O'Neill is good. Yep. Uh, you took Tommy Edmond next. Uh, which at the time felt like quite the coup because I forgot about him. And <laughs> uh, he's having a good season, but yeah. not what it was last year. But he's at 1.8, so it's not bad, right? Um, this is where it gets a little more rough for you. Mason Wynn. He is currently at negative 0.4. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he could he could revive that. He could turn that around in this sure. final month. Um, so that puts you at a total of 5.5 so once again wow we are neck and neck so you are 0.3 f4 behind me yeah so yeah, so we we know jake walsh isn't going to come up <laughs> yeah. zuniga might come up and add but I, i'm really hoping that tyler o'neill and mason win have a strong finish um and really shame on both of us for not picking lars um yeah, that that would have been that would have been the best pick of the year. Um, and, and we both whiffed on that. So I have been wrong about Lars. Basically, I like I've said it a number of times. I think one of my bigger predictions going into the year that Dylan Carlson would have a better season than Lars. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad to be wrong because he's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and it's only been health that has really stalled him from having a true breakout season. Yeah, another another player who should be back soon. But yeah, um, so yeah, yeah. it's going to be exciting. That is amazing um, that this has yeah. worked out. This We're so way close again. again. Yeah. yeah, last year it came, like literally the last day of the season we were tied. Yes, and it yes. was Oviedo against uh, Libertor, and uh, Oviedo was a pirate. So that was fun. All right. Well, uh, that's it. This episode's super long, but of course, even with no good games, we got plenty to talk about. So uh, we'll be back as always next week. Um, thank you all for your time. Join the revolution. Join the Patreon. Oh, God. <laughs> Patreon.com slash talking yeah, about hey, birds. I, I think we might not be losing money on this podcast anymore. So thank you to our, our patrons, uh, our, our Discord members. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> Depends really on how you value your time. It. Yeah. Um, oh, which well, I don't. Yeah. It's negative. I must have. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So we'll be back again next week. And until next week, go cards. Let's go!